0: Teton County Solid Waste and Recycling is reminding businesses of the Curb to Compost program, which allows businesses, restaurants to have food waste collection. And this is an important next step in your businesses or restaurants recycling program. You are tuned in to episode 183 of the Jackson Hole Connection. I'm sharing fascinating stories of people connected to Jackson Hole and connecting the rest of the world. My quote today to share with you is, I, not events, have the power to make me happy or unhappy today. I can choose which it shall be. Yesterday is dead. Tomorrow hasn't arrived yet. I have just one day today and I'm going to be happy in it. And that's from Show Marks. And folks, each of our episodes are possible through the support of our sponsors. And today we have Teton County Solid Waste and Recycling sponsoring this podcast. Do you want to be a better recycler? Well, you can by using the Recycle Coach app, now available to Jackson Hole locals and visitors. And additional support comes from the Jackson Hole Wine Club. We're making the experience of exploring new wines as easy as taking a sip. Get out there and try it today. Visit jacksonholewineclub.com to find out some more information. And welcome everybody to the Jackson Hole Connection. This is the place and space I share stories with you today. Today, I got to spend some time with a former guest, Dave Camp Schulte, he's been on the show twice, and he and I took a walk outside. We got to connect with each other, just share our stories, talk, and enjoy life and being outside in the sunshine. And that's what this podcast is about. It's about people sharing their story. We can all learn from each other, learn so much by just having a conversation with somebody. A few years ago, I didn't know Dave Camp Schulte, but now he and I connect when he comes into town. We get coffee have a conversation, maybe go for a walk. And you might be able to do that with somebody you might not even realize as well. So get out there and connect with somebody today. Share this podcast with friends and family. Give us some comments. They help us um, find new guests. They help me know what type of content to look for. My guest today is Amy Moore. She's a local at heart. She's raised in Connecticut though. She's not born here, but she is definitely rooted right here in the Valley. Amy is the executive director for Paws of Jackson Hole. That is a nonprofit which works in the animal welfare sector, if you don't know what Paws is. For the past 16 plus years, Amy has been the executive director of Paws and has helped so many community members and their pets when in need. But there is more that Paws does PAWS serves three counties in this area and has now adopted an animal shelter just over the pass in the Victor Driggs area. So PAWS of Jackson Hole is an important contributor to our community and surrounding communities. And today, Amy unravels it all for us so we can learn what this phenomenal organization does. It's more than just providing poop bags. So everybody tune in and listen and learn how you can help be a contributor to our community, just like Paws. Amy, thank you for joining me here today at the Jackson Hole Connection. Wonderful to have time to speak with you.
1: Well, thanks for having me. I'm so thrilled to be here.
0: You're welcome. Let's begin today's conversation, Amy, with people learning how you landed here in Jackson Hole. So where would you say that you were raised? And If it was in Jackson Hole, amazing, because very few were, (laughs) but uh, if not, how did you make your way out to this super place?
1: Sure. Uh, Well, I was raised in New England, uh, Connecticut to be exact, and I went to college up in New Hampshire, a little Catholic liberal arts college in Manchester, New Hampshire. And from there, I landed in Boston and I was doing kind of corporate marketing for a lot of different financial services organizations and at the time it was the kind of the early 90s so those tended to be the companies that were hiring <laughs> so i didn't purposely land in financial services um, but that's that's kind of where i ended up and i had been doing that for about 13 years post college and i would just sit there in meetings meeting upon meeting you know the post meeting from the pre meeting onto the meeting
0: about wow.
1: things that we like kind of,
0: let's have a meeting to have a meeting yeah
1: Yeah. So, and it was all, it was fine, but I just wasn't passionate about any of it. And, you know, I had all these friends in the industry and they just loved the business so much and I just didn't get it. And I was doing direct mail. So we're creating, you know, at one point I was at Fidelity and we're creating these direct mail pieces that were going out to 250,000 people. And I knew. That I'm, you know, working overtime and I'm staying up at night and I'm worried about the deadline and this stuff is going directly into the garbage. Mm. (laughs) So in 2004, I had come skiing out out here and a friend, uh, my sister had dated a guy from Jackson. So it's kind of serendipitous. He was like, you guys need to move to both my sister and I. And I had never even considered it. It wasn't even on the radar And he just put this idea in my head and I'm like, I should move. And I did. (laughs) It was like that much of a decision. I'm like, I'm not enjoying what I'm doing. And this place is beautiful. And so, and we, you know, I had a couple of acquaintances that were super nice and welcoming. And I went to my boss and I told him I was taking a year off. And I had this little condo in Boston and I put it into the rental pool and I I came out here and I never went back. (laughs)
0: And was that in 2004?
1: Yeah, that was in 2004.
0: All right. Well, how long did it take you to say, see you later, boss? I'm leaving from the time that somebody said you should move out here.
1: So let's see. I think it was like, oh, President's Day weekend, probably. You know, that's when my sister and I used to always go somewhere skiing, President's Day weekend. And then, so that was when the idea was planted. And then Memorial Day I came back, and I think I had quit my job in July.
0: Oh, That was fast.
1: Yeah. And so my sister had a friend who, um, they had a condo up at golf and tennis Mm -hmm. and they're like, if you need a place to live, you know, you can just stay at our place. And I'm like, well, I'm leaving. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, they, they allowed me to stay there. They, they charged me very little rent, which was nice. And I packed up this giant, ridiculous suburban with most of my belongings. I put the rest into one of those, you know, portable pods Mm -hmm. You know, those things, they deliver the pod and you just throw all your stuff in it and then they lift it away. And so, um, yeah, within a year, I had sold my condo back east and I had moved here officially.
0: It kind of sticks to you, doesn't it?
1: It does. Yeah, I, I thought for sure I was just going to take a break from corporate America. But then you get out here and you see the beautiful sky and you get away from the city and the fresh air and you can drive home at lunch in five minutes to feed your dog or to go for a walk by the creek. And it's it's very hard to adjust your brain to going back to city living after you've experienced that.
0: Oh, yes. Oh, <laughs> yes. I I can certainly resonate with that. Yeah. Sure. And so what have you been doing out here?
1: So right when I got here, it's so funny. I, I got a job bartending. I was 35 years old <laughs> and I had kind of waitressed and bartended sporadically a little bit, but, um, 43 North was brand new. Do you remember that? Oh yeah. So they needed people and I started bartending, but it was exhausting. I, it was like, I was too late to be barred 35 was too old. And that place was staying open. I mean, I'd be there till three, three, four o'clock in the morning. I'm like, I'm tired. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then I got a job um, just like as an administrative assistant. I was kind of just float floating around trying to figure out what I was going to do because I couldn't I couldn't continue to live, you know, on the salary that I was living. I had taken like a home equity line of credit out of my condo. So that was not wise. Yeah. (laughs) Coming out of financial services, they tell you not to do that. Right. Mm -hmm. So I started dating this person, and his um, cousin was the ED at PAWS. And she was kind of on her way out. And she said, You know, you should interview for this job at PAWS. And I'm like, I don't have any experience in nonprofit, but I love animals. And she said, You know, at the time, PAWS was this really young organization. And she's like, You should just apply, you'll love it. And I did. And I went to the first interview, and they had 18 board members.
2: 18 (laughs)
1: 18 yeah and the budget was one hundred and forty thousand dollars. so that was a lot of board members for a very small budget (laughs) yeah yeah and i we went to this conference room and it was all of them interviewing me and it was really good and they were all super nice and they were all really passionate yeah and i got the job i couldn't believe it but and i didn't really know what i was getting into at all so i took the job and it was um just me And we had this little office next to, um, God, at the time it was food town. Remember food town? Oh yeah. (laughs) Which became luckies, which now is REI. But, uh, we had this tiny little office upstairs. I was all by myself and I'm sitting in there just going through files. Like how do I run a nonprofit? Hmm. And this woman walked in within weeks and she brought a check for $10,000. And I'm like, huh, could it be, (laughs) could it be that easy? I'm like, who walks in and just drops a check for 10 grand? And she was the nicest lady, and we're still we're still very close to her. And she had lost her husband and her dog in the same couple of months. And mm. so she was donating in honor of, of the two of them. And it was amazing. So what I found is people in this town and, and nationally are very passionate about their pets.
0: They are very passionate right? about their pets. Yeah. Now, not not everybody that listens knows what pause is. So why don't you? give us some history of PAWS. So you said when you started with them, um, it was still a pretty new organization. So what is PAWS? When was it started? Let, let's hear some history of that.
1: Sure. Okay. So uh, PAWS of Jackson Hole is a nonprofit charitable organization, 100% you know, funded by donations. Mm-hmm. And we were founded in 1999 by a woman named Ann Smith. She's like a legend in this town. She's still here, still very active with paws. She's amazing. And at the time, the municipal shelter, so the Jackson-Teton County animal shelter south of town was completely overrun with animals. Mm. And they weren't spaying and neutering anything. So they didn't have the funding. And so what was happening is, you know, the shelter would adopt out The animals but then all the puppies and kittens would come back in so it was this revolving door of Mm. pets and there was no solution and there was no funding so Anne had seen um, kind of a friends of group i think in santa barbara maybe and they were a funding arm of their municipal shelter so that's how we started and she just approached them to say hey i'm gonna go out and raise a little money if the county doesn't have the funding for spay neuter maybe PAWS can do that. That can be our mission. And so that's how she started. It was, it was Ann Smith and a couple of local women, and they just went out and raised some money. And the shelter was then able to spay and neuter the animals, which was great. And a few years later, old bills rolled around. So then, then the old bills culture hit Jackson and the shelter was able to participate, which was amazing. And so they were sort of able to do a little fundraising themselves. And so the PAWS organization started focusing on the public. So what could we do to help keep animals in their homes so that they don't end up in the shelter and also prevent animals from being born, right? So preventing the unwanted litters. So we started with uh, a medical fund that helped people with um, assistance. So say your dog got run over by a car and you couldn't afford his broken leg. So that that person would come to pause and we would grant some money for the surgery because what was happening is people who couldn't afford medical would also drop their animals at the shelter. So you'd oh, no. have this, yeah, you'd have this hodgepodge of unwanted litters and also medical cases ending up at the shelter. So if you can prevent that, you minimize the number of animals ending up at the shelter. So mm-hmm. we kind of grew into a full-on social service Um, organization. So really um, trying to help people with pets to prevent them from having to go to take them to the shelter. So over the years, since 1999, we have become this kind of full service anytime there's like a need in town. So say the county can't afford something, like disaster response is a perfect example. So the town and county have Teton County Emergency Management. We have wildfires every now and again, right? And they have two people down there. There's, there's only two employees at Teton County Emergency Management. And when Katrina happened, so remember Katrina? Oh, yeah. Huge. I mean, crisis for people. And also a, this, the secondary crisis during Katrina was that couple hundred thousand animals perished because there were no resources for families to bring their, their evacuated pets to. So people were having to make a choice. Either I leave my home with my animal in it, who's certainly gonna die, or I don't leave. So it became a barrier to people seeking help. And some people, you saw the pictures, they're standing on their roof with their dog and the water's up to the roof. Mm-hmm. And so um, after Katrina FEMA stepped in and there was this uh, thing called the Pets Act, And basically, it's a legislative action that says that municipalities do not qualify for FEMA funding in a disaster if they don't have a plan in place for pets. Oh, really? Yeah. So but then what the, the side effect of that is all these counties scrambling to try to find resources to put a plan in place for pets who don't have resources, right? So it's like the the intent's really good and and the byproduct of that is that now all the municipalities do have plans, Um, but most of them reached out to animal welfare organizations because, you know, they have a hard enough time sheltering people, but trying to shelter people and their pets in the same place, you know, while they're dealing with, you know, potential mass casualties or wildfire or destruction of homes, there's just not enough resources. So most counties have uh, MOUs with animal welfare organizations for that piece of their disaster plan. And so PAWS stepped in and did that too. So it's kind of like anytime there's a gap in service, PAWS steps in and says, okay, we're gonna do it. And then we go out and fundraise for it. And now in the case of um, disaster, we have a trailer, this huge 24 foot trailer, and we've got all this equipment in case there's a wildfire, which is, you know, not out of the question, and we have an evacuation, now we have a plan so that, so if East Jackson gets evacuated and, you know, there's probably a good 3000 pets in that neighborhood, we'll, you know, set up a temporary animal shelter and we'll do intake and we'll care for those pets until people can um, either return to their homes or they have a, a different option. So that way you don't have a bunch of animals roaming the streets during a wildfire. And um, and people have a comfort level that when they are evacuated, they can take their pets with them. So there's no barrier.
0: And is there any size limit to the pet? No.
1: So we have all kinds of (laughs) we have we have the full setup. We've been trained by American Humane, so we're not winging it, which is good. Uh American Humane is a national organization. We have an MOU in place with them as well. So that if the disaster becomes too large in scope, we can call them in. And they'll roll in with the 18 wheelers and and with all their equipment to help us. Um, But no, we have lots of kennels. We also have, you know, temporary fencing. We've got hazmat suits. We've got the full suite of disaster prep so that, you know, if you have a giant Newfoundland, we'll be able to take that dog. If it's a horse, then we have the horse rescue people.
0: So ag
1: is totally separate. (laughs) All right. Yeah.
0: So horse falls in different department.
1: But it's covered. Yeah. So, yeah. So, PAWS has kind of grown and expanded, and we really kind of just plug ourselves in um, in collaborative roles. We have a similar situation with the Community Safety Network, which is um, our domestic violence shelter in town. Mm-hmm. And there's a direct correlation between animal cruelty and, and domestic violence. So, yeah, it is. It's like if somebody's mistreating an animal in a in a home it's a matter of time before that's going to move on to the kids and the mm-hmm. spouse, typically. And again, it's the same thing with evacuation. If if a victim of domestic violence fears that something's going to happen to their pet, if the safety network doesn't have an ability to take the pet, the person's not going to leave because mm-hmm. something horrible might happen to their animal. So... This was a bunch of years ago. I think it was in 2007 or eight. We built a facility, a custom pet facility on their campus. So there's this cute little dog house. I mean, it's like a bully bar. A Mm -hmm. person can be in there with their pet and it's heated and it's got light and it's fenced in and it's got artificial turf and it's the cutest little house so that if somebody is trying to flee a situation where they're not safe, they don't have to make a choice between their own safety the safety of their pet and it's amazing because it just again it removes that barrier of having to make that choice so and then we grew that um partnership with them just a couple years ago we added a whole separate facility for cats too so it's pretty incredible
0: that's a lot you guys you yeah. so busy over there. How many? Yeah. Years? So it's not just you on staff anymore.
1: No. So we now have four full time staff members here in the Jackson office. So it's me. We have a program director named Jess Farr. We have a development director named Eunice Nicholson. And then we have a woman named Sam Diaz who does basically everything, <laughs> everything else. <laughs> So she's admin, she's program facilitation. So when we have people who need spay-neuter assistance or medical assistance, she has to process all those applications. So it's typical financial services um, and financial assistance. So there's a process by which there's an application. And Sam, <laughs> Sam's responsibility is to talk to all those people. And last year, I think we processed 900 spay-neuter applications in Jackson, Star Valley, and Teton Valley. During COVID, it was... 1,200. So that in and of itself is a full-time job.
0: (laughs) Wow. That's a lot of animals to be spayed, neutered.
1: Yeah, but it helps. I mean, it's kind of a proven um, way of dealing with pet overpopulation. So Mm. communities that don't have strong spay neuter initiatives have higher euthanasia rates at their local shelters because they run out of space. Mm. So it's like, if you can prevent the pregnancies from happening, then you don't have to deal with having to make those difficult decisions on euthanasia at the shelter.
0: Mm -hmm. So So you just mentioned that it's not just Jackson that you all are servicing. It's over on the other side of the pass, Victor Driggs, you said Star Valley and where else again?
1: Yes. So we're three counties now. So we're Lincoln County, Wyoming. Uh, obviously Teton County, we're pause of Jackson Hole, and we are Teton Valley, Idaho. So also Teton County, Idaho. And we expanded to our neighboring communities about 10 years ago with our social services. So we offer all the same services we do here in both of those communities. So free spay neuter, medical assistance for um, any kind of financial veterinary care, unexpected. Um, And we also kind of do some trail outreach over in those communities. We help with their dog parks. Um, We do some work with the domestic violence shelters over there. Those are a little different in that they don't have a facility where people come to stay Mm -hmm. like we do here. They kind of use more um, temporary housing. So it's a little different, but they know that we're here if they need any, any of our assistance. And then on January 1st of this year, we actually just, we like to say adopted, the Teton Valley Animal Shelter. So now we are pause of Teton Valley and we have an open admission animal shelter that we're operating in Teton Valley as well. So we kind of this year rounded out our services and now we actually do have animals in our care as
0: well. So when you say Teton Valley Animal Shelter, that's over in? Uh, Drake's In Drake's. Yep. So you operate an animal shelter now?
1: Yeah, it's been only what? 13 weeks.
0: <laughs> yeah. Now, what caused you all to, the need to take that over? i of curious.
1: So we had been partnering for many years. So part of um, the services that we had been providing with all these social services, we were doing grant funding to all three of our local shelters. So Teton County, it was mm-hmm. always part of our mission to help them fund things that they couldn't afford. And then at Star Valley, we had been granting money to that um, shelter for years. Same with Teton Valley. And so with Teton Valley, they had a really lean board. They were kind of struggling with fundraising, really awesome care, and they own their building, which, which is unusual. So they own five acres that they had gotten donated over there and a building, which is an asset. And But they were struggling with, through COVID, they were struggling um, to keep it operational because just in general, if you don't have a strong fundraising team, all the animal care all their time is spent in animal care. So when you have 30, 40, 50 pets, it's very hard to also go out and do the fundraising. So we had been granting money to them for many years. In August of last year, they approached us and said, you know, would you consider taking this under the PAWS umbrella? So we went through this huge due diligence process with them, strategic planning with our board, and we ended up absorbing the shelter. So they um, kind of shut down their nonprofit And we now have kind of like the Community Foundation operates here, Community Foundation Jackson Hole, Community Foundation, Teton Valley, exact same setup. So one organization, two entities, kind of two branches. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's been really good. Um, You know, we haven't owned a shelter, so we're all learning still on how to do that. But we have a really good staff over there that we kind of brought in. So we inherited a staff that had already been running the shelter. So that's been super helpful.
0: That makes a big difference where yeah. the operations continue happening. You're just there to make sure they have the money to operate.
1: Correct. Yeah. 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 So that's been really exciting. So now we're just kind of trying to figure out how to take, you know, we're still only the four of us. There's seven of them operating the shelter. So now we're four here and seven over there. Um, but we still have to do a lot of fundraising. So our budget just grew dramatically. And um, we didn't have a whole lot of relationships in Teton Valley before this. So now we're spending a lot of time over there just trying to meet members of the community and engage them and and do some fundraising over there.
0: So with the growth of staff and your responsibilities, your board has got to be at least 36 to 50 people.
1: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Well, we're adding three. We actually only have six right now, which is lean, real lean. So we're adding three this year and maybe a couple more next year. We, we really want to add a couple from Teton Valley. That'll be important to have a couple of residents of Teton Valley on the board because that'll help us with inroads with that community. So we're in the process. My next call after you is with a couple of board members to talk about how we're going to onboard some of these folks. So
0: Sounds a lot more manageable than 18 people are growing exponentially with board members.
1: Yeah, it was so interesting. I think at the time they knew they had to grow their board Uh And they just threw it out to the community who wants to join the pause board. And they got all these people. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So we've learned that, you know, 18 is too many, six is too few, like nine to 11 is kind of a a perfect number for us.
0: Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Amy, we're going to take a quick break to get a word from our sponsor and we're going to, come back and learn more about PAWS. All right. For residents looking to reduce their household waste and become better recyclers, look no further than the Recycling Coach app. And it's brought to you by Teton County Solid Waste and Recycling. Folks, it is springtime around here and we are cleaning out our houses and our garages. So make sure you get in touch with the Teton County Solid Waste and Recycling Department So you can find out what is recyclable and what should really go in the trash. Or you can use the Recycle Coach app. Some things we don't realize that our county recycles or helps dispose of are those harmful chemicals, paint. You can recycle mattresses. It is unbelievable what can be recycled in this county. So if you want to learn more, get that Recycle Coach app or call the county solid waste and recycling department or look them up at Teton county wy.gov/recycle for access and information. You can become a better recycler today, reduce what goes into the landfill, be good for our environment, download the Recycle Coach app for free. Teton County Solid Waste and Recycling estimates that approximately 3,954 tons of food waste are disposed in the trash right here in Teton County every year. This makes food waste the next frontier material in the quest to achieve our county's goal to reduce waste and recycle more, which will help us aim for zero waste. For more information on Teton County Integrated Solid Waste and Recycling's Curb to Compost Commercial Food Waste Program, visit tetoncountywy.gov slash recycle and join today. Amy, welcome back to the Jackson Hole Connection. Learning so much about you and pause. I am curious to know that, you know, when you said that you... Started with pause. That was right around the time of Old Bills, phenomenal event and way that nonprofits can raise money in this town. Yeah, and I'm curious to know by Old Bills being established, did that help pause become a stronger organization?
1: Yeah, I think so. So I think Old Bills was 2001, okay. and I jo- I didn't join pause until 2006. All right. but yeah, I think you know the community foundation is a game changer for this for this community and also for you know creating a culture of philanthropy in this town. That I came from Boston, I never went to charity events back there. Here, you can go to one every other night if you want to. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know. So, but the community foundation and and old bills and doing the match and encouraging everybody to come out on the same day and fundraise there's a nonprofit in this town for everyone. So even if you don't care about dogs, you might care about horses. You might care about wildlife. You might care about whatever pathways, you know? So it really does. If, if you're not donating to old bills, it's almost like socially unacceptable, (laughs) you know, to not spend $1 on some community, you know, nonprofit here, which is amazing.
0: It is. And other communities throughout the country have replicated that model. And yeah, over in Teton Valley, there's the tin cup, um, just That's right. an, an easy one, especially when it comes to the messy stuff, poop.
1: I know. It's like and, I can never stop talking about poop.
0: I yes. dream about
1: poop. <laughs> <laughs> the, the word poop comes out of my mouth like four or five times a day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm surprised it doesn't come out of your mouth more.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I've been here 16 years. It's yeah. Nothing's changed.
0: <laughs> and so how many, just here in Jackson, in our county, how many dogs do you estimate are in the households?
1: We actually try to have data on that. You can't go by licenses because nobody licenses. There are very few people mm-hmm. actually go and get the tag. So we thought that would be a good way of counting, but that's not a good way. So what we do now is Sam, our girl who does everything. (laughs) She calls the local vets every year. At the end of the year, she says, how many active dog clients do you have? And how many active cat clients do you have? And then we knock it off. Like we just take a bunch off the top because you want to account for people who came through during the summer and their dog had an accident. Like you want to try to account for the fact that people come through town with their animals. So Mm -hmm. it's like, then we take 200 off the top of every clinic. And we still, every year, come up with 10,000 dogs every year. Woo! So, and again, like, it's almost like you move to town and the first thing you do is get a dog. <laughs> it's the first thing I did when I got to town. <laughs> you get here, you get a dog. It's like, I should just like hang out at, you know, like at the, at the elk antlers and just hand the dogs out to the people <laughs> <as> they <arrived>. say,
0: <laughs> Oh, you're new to town. Here's a dog.
1: Yeah. Here's your accessory. So yeah, it's ten thousand, and you know, part of our mission is responsible pet ownership. So we really do try to collaborate with the town and the county and the Bridger Teton and Friends of Pathways, and we're out there all summer and all winter on the pathway, just trying to encourage without wagging our finger. You know, you're doing the wrong thing, sir. (laughs) So we try to make it fun and make it approachable. Provide the tools, right? So pause. And we don't provide all of the Muttmed stations you you see around town. We provide them on all of the highly trafficked public areas where we see a ton of dogs. So Cache Creek, you know, all all of the Bridger Teton things. Those are our our collaboration between us and the Bridger Teton. We do um, one side of the dike. Emily's Pond is actually Parks and Rec. So we Mm kind of split it up. But in our only 22 stations that we manage, we go through 150,000 mutmits every year so then you look at neighborhoods who have mutmit stations and you look at um the pathways who have stations so we get calls all the time with people really upset about how much poop is out there and my response is always to try to turn the conversation around to say but think about what is being picked up just in our stations alone one hundred and fifty thousand piles are getting picked up every year so if you think about the other stations we're probably picking up between 300 and to 400,000 piles every year which is pretty miraculous even though it feels messy out there
0: now how do you help educate people to be better pile picker uppers
1: <laughs> so it's evolved and we keep evolving cuz we're like how do we get to the people that don't follow us on social right it's like the people who follow us are we've already We've already, you know, got them in the fold. Um, so we used to do movie theater ads, which were fun. You know, with COVID, we kind of pulled them because it wasn't a good use of money. Um, we, we've done print ads for years. We used to have, you know, three ads a, a week in the, in the newspaper. So now we're on buck rail. So we try to reach people that way. We have trail ambassadors who, you know, go out there and talk to people and, and hand out mitts and leashes and things like that. We've got the poop fairies who are an all volunteer group of ladies and men actually. And they actually put actual tutus on huh. and they go out there and they have wands because they want to be approachable. Right. It's hard to be rude to, you know, a 72 year old woman in a tutu <laughs> who's handing out Muppets. Right.
0: Why should so- somebody be rude? Period.
1: I mean, we've tried it all. Mm -hmm. One year I tried offering a cash prize. I mean, some donor said, all right, I'm going to put up $500. We're going to go out to Cash Creek this spring, you know, because now it's all starting to become unveiled. And she said, we're going to do a $500 cash prize for the most poop that somebody could present to us. And sadly, the only people that showed up was me, (laughs) Mm -hmm. a couple of board members and a couple of staff members and three really amazing volunteers one of them was Karen Tara, who's amazing. She's a you know legend in town, and a few others. And finally, we're like, they helped us clean up, and then we're like, should we just dole out this cash? <laughs> and we ended up like just giving them each whatever. Most of them said just donate it back to the organization. But we've tried a wide variety of different ways to encourage, and we're open to suggestion.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's you know I was we took our dog up cash Creek a few weeks ago and it was pretty quiet. And we were starting at the parking lot with somebody and they stopped there and their dog wasn't on the leash. Yet. I was like, you know, this is still the leash area. She's like, Oh yeah, I'm sorry. There just weren't a lot of people here. And it's not about people. No. And I said, you know, it's, it's about the poop yeah. and you just, your dog's just running around. You don't see a poop. You're putting on your skis. You, you can't see everything. Yeah, and it's also the animal. Um, inter- well, it's the
1: moose out there. You know, it's mm-hmm. like the the wildlife is so stressed this time of year. They're they're out of their energy resources, so they can't afford to be chased or harassed. Mm-hmm. So, well, thank you for having that conversation. You know, not everybody's super comfortable with even having a friendly dialogue about it out there. But yeah, I think um, part of it is distraction. So people who throw their skis on, we used to try to say like wait for your dog to poop in the parking lot, scoop it, then put your skis on and then go. And then you don't have to even worry about it because right. most dogs are going to poop <laughs> the minute they get out of the car or mm-hmm. within 30 feet. So yeah, we've tried a lot of different things.
0: <laughs> well, keep up the conversation about poop and picking yeah. up your poop, not your poop, but the dog's poop.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, we've all been in the back country, Stephanie.
0: Yes. We Your quirk too. Yes. Okay. If what you pack Your what you stuff. take in, you pack out. You do. <laughs> that is very true. Yes. Go to the outdoor store and get some of those bags.
1: Hey, my mitts, my mitts work for all kinds of things.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is true. That is that is true.
1: And they're free. We're happy to provide them.
0: Well, you provide them for free, but they cost you something. They do. Yes. Yeah. And if people want to help with supporting the Mutt Mitt needs, can they do that?
1: Of course, yeah. So the the program itself annually costs the organization twenty to twenty five thousand a year. So we always say if if you have a dog and you use this, you use the Mutt Mitts, a twelve dollar donation, twelve dollars will will cover you for a month. <laughs> so that's kind of like. If, if you really want to pay it forward and keep the program going, it's only $12. Mm-hmm. And so we have our little Venmo um, codes out there on our MUTMIT stations. We try to make it super easy for people to do that.
0: Oh, that's awesome.
1: Yeah. 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 So if you're ever, if you're ever walking by one of the pause stations, the Venmo is right there. Super easy.
0: Oh, that makes sense. That's yeah. super. And when we went from, a community that allowed plastic bags in town for shopping to one that didn't did you see a change in people's willingness to pick up
1: so i guess it's p- part of our education is we actually don't want you using shopping bags to pick up poop
0: Oh.
1: so well be, and i'll tell you why the poop bags we use are degradable and they're made specifically for landfills so they start degrading the minute you use them they're like the perfect product for this most of them end up in the landfills. So biodegradable bags actually require sunlight. These don't. So the minute they are used, they end up in the landfill, but they start decomposing immediately.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: we prefer you use the mutt mitts and not even worry about recycling the, the plastic shopping bags, because what happens with that is they don't degrade. Mm-hmm. So the poop ends up in this bag that actually prevents it from decomposing. You follow me?
0: Yeah. I hope people aren't having lunch while they're listening. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know I'm so desensitized to the topic, it's but like, oh, it, it's an important
0: no. conversation. Now, what about the mutt mitts, the bags that we go purchase at the grocery store or a local pet supply store here in town Would those degrade yeah. at the same pace that your bags do? I
1: hope, but I don't know the answer to that. I think if you're going to, if you're, if you're really curious, look, go on the the site of the the bags that you're purchasing Mm. and just find out again, you don't want to use, I don't want to be too specific because we'd prefer you use something versus nothing. Sure. But yeah, so I guess it it really depends on the brand, Uh Um, but that's why we specifically chose this brand and we've been using them for as long as I've been here.
0: Right. Okay. Now we've talked a lot about dogs. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the cats because yeah. cats are in your world as well. They How are. many cats are in this town?
1: Same amount. So no it's, way, It's a lot. Yeah, really? we don't see them. You just don't see them because a um, lot of the cats are indoors, mm-hmm. you know. A lot of people have indoor cats because it's dangerous for cats <laughs> to be out in mm-hmm. the neighborhoods. We have birds of prey. you know, you, you hear stories periodically of cats getting picked up by birds of prey, super sad. So a lot of the cats that live in Jackson are actually indoor cats, Mm -hmm. Um, but we see it at the shelter. You've got a high population coming and going. So we actually just, when we took over the Teton Valley shelter, we had something like 45 cats in house, which is a lot. And Dog Is My Co-Pilot approached us to say, hey, we've got this partner organization over in Spokane. They need cats, which is interesting usually your shelters are just full of cats because they're so prolific
2: mm-hmm. and they
1: flew 30 cats out of um, our shelter for us to Spokane. So it, it helped with uh, us in taking over the shelter. We could kind of get in there easily
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> without
1: having to immediately take on a 60 animal operation. So,
0: that's super um, but ugly.
1: yeah, people love cats in this town. You're right though. You don't hear about it as much as dogs.
0: No, we used to have a cat. Um, my wife adopted a cat when she was in college. It was a oh. in- uh, from oakland california and she was as spunky as oakland california would be oh, nice. <laughs> and now our youngest son wants two cats <laughs> well
1: i got a couple cats for you
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah until he's willing to clean the litter box yeah they won't pick up the dog poop but the reason i wanted to transition to cat conversation is what about the cat and the litter box can you put that down the toilet
1: Oh, that's a good question. I think they don't want you. Definitely not the litter. If you yeah. pluck the poop, out, I think they don't want it ending up in the sewer system because it's different. Okay. I think if we talk to you know Teton County Waste, I think they would say don't. Okay. I think because it's different and the composition might screw with our sewage system. I think they want you to scoop it and put it in the garbage. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, I
0: think that's that's right. That's why I asked about it.
1: You hear about people training their cats to use the toilet though. <laughs> do you want to try that? I mean, I'd like to see pictures of it.
0: If we get a kitten, then we'll see if the boys will do that.
1: <laughs> I think I think if it's one family doing it, it's not gonna have that big of an impact. If it's the entire community of cat owners flushing their cat poop, probably more of
2: a problem. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I could certainly see, see that for sure yeah and when when pause is in operation are you guys available 24/7 so if somebody has an emergency vaguely
1: it's like vaguely. A, it's a the way we describe it, this job is it's a lifestyle choice <laughs> mm-hmm. so yeah i mean we we t- we claim we have office hours mm-hmm. but all four of us in this we're always Checking the Facebook page, people will private message us in the, during by way of our Facebook or social media. It's a really good way of getting in touch with us in the off hours because we're all we don't walk away. So I don't have a phone that's operational on the weekends. So we don't. It's not like we have a, a special um, line open. But if somebody needs us on a weekend, we will we'll respond. And the shelter is definitely it's full service seven days a week. Over in Teton Valley. So
0: And they know how to everybody knows how to get in touch with you all. They're like Paws might need to be involved in this.
1: I hope so. You know, I it's so funny. It's because of our relationships in town. I got a call. I'm at home, it's Christmas Eve, you know, a couple of years ago. And one of our buddies, we we worked with Teton Rentals forever with our event before they stopped doing tents. And one of the guys over there, he called me on my cell phone. He's like, Amy, my dog's at the shelter. It's Christmas Eve. They're not gonna let him out until Monday. Can you get in? <laughs> I'm like, well, definitely. <laughs> no, but of course, because we're all in the relationship business, I called my friend who ran the shelter. She lives in Melody. She's like, I'll go meet him.
2: Mm-hmm. So,
1: you know, that's the beauty of living in a small town that would never happen in a city. Right.
2: That's right. So that's
1: it's a relationship business and it's not always going to work, but sometimes you can call in a favor and someone will do a kindness for you.
0: <laughs> yeah. That is that is true. Yeah. Are there other organizations in the rest of the country like PAWS that specialize in animal welfare?
1: So it's so interesting. Um, Yes, there you throw a dart at the map and you're going to hit a town in a state that has definitely a shelter or three and a bunch of animal welfare organizations doing the work. So PAWS was unique in that we were only um, social services. Mm-hmm. So we sort of backed into sheltering where most animal welfare organizations start with sheltering and then mm-hmm. branch out to other things. So we're a little backwards in, in how we've gone about it. But if you look at, if you were to Google pause, there's a pause organization everywhere. Pause Chicago is huge. They're amazing. I've gone out there and visited with them and toured their facility. The original Paws organization, um, which is the one with the trademark. <laughs> Mm -hmm. is out of California and they are the progressive animal welfare society. They're an actual acronym, which we're not. And they started with like, interestingly, elephants, circus elephants. So they actually had nothing to do with domestic pets Mm -hmm. and they've branched out and they're amazing because they don't have a problem with other PAWS organizations doing good work. They don't call us and say, this is a trademark infringement, you know? So they, if you go to their website, they list all the other PAWS websites
0: and oh, they say, that's
1: nice. Yeah. They just say, we're not affiliated. There, there is no national big pause organization, but we all share you know, information and resources and marketing ideas. And the animal welfare organization and collaboration is the only way to do right. it. So when you are talking about like Dog is My Co-Pilot, for instance, we don't have the capability to move 30 cats to Spokane, but they do. Sure. You know. So it's like the system has changed over the years in that, you know, social media was a total game changer because it put people in touch. People who wouldn't normally be in touch are now in touch. And it's like the way we communicate now across, across the nation, it's amazing. So, you know, transport has become a huge piece of the, you know, solving the problems in communities where it didn't used to be. I mean, back in the seventies, sadly, the solution was euthanize all of them. I mean, we were euthanizing 20 million animals in the U S every year, which is
0: in the seventies.
1: Of- yeah. 20 it's, million. it's an astounding number. It's shocking. If you do, if you calculated how many by the day, it's shocking. Mm. So yeah, oh. but now, and, and even since I've been here and we keep track of that, of the national stats, cause we want to know now we're down to under a million, which it's still, it's still too many, mm-hmm. but Because of social media, because of spay neuter, because of transport partnerships, you know, it's like the whole system is working together to try to get to this idea of no kill and, you know, the, you know, not having to euthanize animals. And it's really starting to work. I mean, we've seen dramatic, dramatic change in the number of animals getting euthanized, even in the last five years. Hmm. So it's pretty good. And, you know, people talk about no kill. And I think there's, there's some confusion. It's not no, no kill. It's not zero kill because you're always going to have medical cases that come through where you can't possibly do anything. And the humane thing to do would be to euthanize an animal or there's just, it's just an overwhelming illness or injury you know, that it's, so it's, there's confusion on no kill versus zero kill. Um, but most shelters are, sh- are trying for, you don't have to euthanize for space because that's what people were doing. Be, mm-hmm. Having to face with we're overwhelmed and it's like the male, there's so many animals coming in. So these ones over here have to be euthanized to make room for these ones. It was mm. just an awful system. So it's changing them. And we're watching the progress and it's like, every year we see the number go down dramatically. It's crazy.
0: That's that's beautiful to hear. Um, yeah. and, and to know that there's some positive sides to social media.
1: I know, seriously. I always say it's the downfall of civilization. And yet, in this instance, it is a total game changer for how we communicate with other organizations and with potential adopters. I mean, PetFinder, if you're looking for a cat, all you have to do is sit on your couch with a cup of coffee, go on Petfinder and you will see all of the pictures of all the pets by zip code, by shelter. I mean, mm-hmm. you used to have to get in your car and go visit and worry about if they're going to be open and what are their hours. Now you can preview all the animals. So, you know, I'll we'll, we'll take the bad of social media with the good, right?
0: Yes. Yes. Yes, we will. <laughs> well, Amy, this conversation has been so enlightening about what paws is and what you do and how the organization has grown over the years and the impact that you all are making not just here in Jackson but our whole valley the whole area and and thank you um oh, thanks. and it's you know people pets are are good therapy for us all
1: i always say pets bring out the best in us right mm-hmm. it's like you look at how you are with your animals Imagine if we could treat, <laughs> treat everybody the way we treat our animals. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just it, they truly do bring out the best. So it's like all the joy and all all of the things, all the, the way we treat our animals, it, it is indicative of how we treat other people. It should be anyway. Right.
0: Yes. That yeah. is so true. Well, how can people connect with you, Amy, if uh, they would like to reach out to you?
1: Well, you can get onto our website, pauseofjh.org, or you can email us, info at pauseofjh.org, and we would love to hear from you.
0: So to email you, it's pauseofjh.org. Same
1: with the website, pauseofjh.org.
0: Okay, pauseofjh.org. Okay.
1: If you type in pausejh, you'll probably find us anyway.
0: (laughs) I'm, I'm sure people will, but they're listening. They don't have something to write down. We want to make sure they get the right thing yeah. so they can contact you immediately after listening so. to this podcast
2: <laughs> well, and me.
0: find the Venmo location, you know, yeah. and um, give some money to make sure there's plenty of mutt mitts out there and pick up some piles.
1: We would love it if you would.
0: <laughs> yeah. There's, there's a lot of them out there. I'm like, I know how do people not pick up their dogs? stuff? I know.
1: Isn't it crazy? I try to do my part. It's like we can only do our part, right?
0: Yeah, that's right. (laughs) As long as we're all doing our part, it'll get better.
1: That's right. If you have one dog, pick up one pile. If you're out there, right? Make sure you get at least one.
0: (laughs) That's right. One pile. Well, thank you, Amy, for your time. I appreciate this.
1: Well, I appreciate it very much. And I love what you're doing. And thanks so much for your time.
0: You're welcome. Take care. Bye. Anyway, to learn more about Amy and pause of Jackson Hole, visit the Jackson Hole Connection.com, episode number 183. Thank you everybody who helps keep this podcast going on the air. Michael, appreciate you doing the marketing edit, and editing. Anybody who needs to do a podcast, you get in touch with Michael. And of course, my wife, Laura, and my boys, Lewis and William. Thank you every day for your support. I really do appreciate your time today. Get out there and share this podcast so other people can enjoy this story. And cheers till next week when I see you back right here for the next episode of The Jackson Hole Connection.